reality is, first of all, first comment, unemployment is an absolutely awful way to judge <laughs> your uh, available workforce. Yes. You know, unemployment tells you who has actively filed for unemployment mm-hmm. and, and who has who has met the criteria for unemployment. I would argue that the better uh, strategy to look at as it relates to like like an aggregate workforce demographic is participation. Hey, it's Breaking Barriers, the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging podcast. We're here for real talk. We're not afraid to go there. And we want you to come away emboldened and energized to take action and make change. We believe our diversity, our differences, when joined together by a common set of ideals, makes us stronger. When I set out to help someone, uh, it is my intention to do just that. I'm not trying to do anything other than meet somebody at their humanity. <laughs> welcome, 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 world. Welcome to another episode of Breaking Barriers, the DEI podcast, brought to you by our silver sponsor, Rise to Greatness. Thank you for your support. I am your co-host, Anthony Arrington. Online, we've got who we got. Joy Briscoe, welcome back. I'm excited to be back today. It's going to be a, I say this a lot, but this is truly, I can't wait to dig in with today's guest. He's awesome doing some amazing work. So Awesome. Got and Nick Ford here. What's happening? What's happening, Nick? So yeah, we got a, we got a great, great guest today uh, who's going to talk to us about the manufacturing world and what what's DEI like in the manufacturing world. We, we got a lot to discuss. You want to read his bio, Nick? Tell us about our Great man. Yeah, so Kyle's the vice president, uh, human resources at CPM Holdings. He uh, leads the HR function for 34 locations spanning 14 countries. I think you think you need a few more countries in there. Uh, in addition, <laughs> he's the founder and CEO of Human Innovation LLC, a firm dedicated to instigating transformative changes in the world of work. Also engaged in continuing the HR communities, the co-founder of Disrupt HR in Cedar Valley, past president of the Cedar Valley Sherm. And he's also created and host of the Rebel HR Podcast, one of our favorites, because another one we've been on too. Um, and uh, he delves into insightful discussion on contemporary HR challenge solutions. And I like to think he thinks outside the box in that realm, too. So deeply embedded community. We're, we're happy to have you here, Kyle. So uh, let's get into it. Welcome, Kyle. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to, excited to talk. Absolutely. I'm usually on the other end of these, though. So this is like, <laughs> this is a little threatening. So I'm going to do my best to, to, to stay calm. Style <laughs> intimidating. We are intimidating. <laughs> I don't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go down the rabbit hole. So I had so Kyle, I've been thinking, you know, you and I have known each other a, a long time. And when I started, when I met you, I was working for a staffing agency. Um, and about 75% of my, my clients at the time were in the manufacturing sector. And, you know, I, I, be, growing up black in Iowa, I'm used to being the only one in the room. I'm, I'm used to that. But what I was discovering for the first time in my career is how many people that look like me when I walked into these manufacturing plants were on the floor and how many who did not look like me were, were running, running the ship. And I would notice how many women were in HR, but I wouldn't see women on the production floor. So, and I noticed this more than any other industry. I think it's something that stood out to me that, that, that difference more than any other industry. I mean, there's obviously other industries where they're predominantly white or what have you but you wouldn't see the other side of frontline workers. So it's, it's the high volume. And I think it really started to, to hit me. So from your lens, when you see that, what are your thoughts? I know we've had those conversations before, but how, what, what does that make you think about and how do you approach that at CPM? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a great question. Um, and I, um, I think when we first met, I was, I was relatively fresh into the manufacturing sector. You know, mm-hmm. I, I started my career and actually started my career in it spent some time in retail um, and then and then 
came into manufacturing and the, and the demographic differences are fairly distinct, um, at, at least in my context and in, in my locations in Iowa. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, when I, when I first got into human resources and, and I, I first noticed it, you know, my, my initial thought was, you know, well, this is, this is interesting, you know, like, or, or this is, this is like intriguing, right? Like, um, but, but the reality is that it wasn't until I spent some time really, really looking at talent acquisition, looking at the data, looking at retention, looking at the actual demographics, and then, and then, uh, you know, kind of coming to the realization that, that there are actual systemic barriers in place that are, that are fostering this, um, you know, this, this demographic nuance, if you will. And, and, you know, from my standpoint, um, I saw that as injustice, you know, I'm like, like, this is like, like, this is ridiculous, you know, the, the, and, and, you know, so often you hear a corporation that talks about, well, you know, we want our employees to reflect uh, the demographics of our customers, or we want our employees to, to, to reflect the demographics of the communities uh, that we operate within. And, and while that might be inherently true, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have equal representation at all levels of the organization. Right. And, and so, you know, there's, you know, some stats here. So, so I, I think the first thing, you know, that, that I would comment there is, is the NEHR professional that's listening or, or leader in a manufacturing setting is, is, is be honest with yourself about what those numbers are and be honest with yourself about what those numbers should be. Um, you know, and, and the reality is that um, a lot of us suck at this. And, and if we, if we aren't honest about that and we don't actually put together intentional strategies to address it, uh, then we're just going to perpetuate the system. And, and, you know, one of the things that I, I say often is the reality is when we talk about systems and we talk about, uh, you know, systemic racism and barriers that are in place, those systems were put in place for a reason and they're working exactly as they're designed. Mm -hmm. So the only way to fix it is to change the system. And so, and so, you know, it's a really long answer to your question, Anthony, but, but the reality is when I see that, when I think about that, uh, my, my mind immediately goes to what is, what is happening in this system to perpetuate uh, these demographics? You know, Kyle, it's funny when we started off as a recruiting firm, one of the things we heard a lot uh, from the HR community, especially in Iowa was, well, but we're hiring who we can find. How do we, how do we get more diverse when Iowa's not diverse? What's your answer to that? How do we how do we get past that mentality? Because because we were finding places like, or, or my favorite was unemployment so low. Well, yeah, unless you're a black man in Dubuque, then seventeen percent, right? <laughs> that, so so how do we get past yeah, that yeah. and get HR professionals to understand how that works and how to change that mentality? Well, I guess this is on video. So if, if you're watching the video, you can probably read my nonverbals that I'm like <laughs> my reaction to those those comments. Nick is is that's you know ridiculous i don't know if i can cuss on this podcast you can we are not child friendly okay. okay all right it's bullshit it's bullshit all right so the the um you know the, the reality is it's an excuse and you know to any hr professional that says well we're hiring who we can find then then the answer is your funnel's not big enough so because because you're not actually hiring you who you can find you're hiring the the individuals that are seeing your employment advertisements that doesn't mean that that's anybody, everybody that you can find. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're only specifically recruiting in certain certain websites or certain, or, or you're only employing certain tactics, your funnel is going to stay the same. So, you know, my my approach has always been let's open up that aperture, let's open up that funnel for for people, 
so that we can you know bring in that diversity. You know, I can I can poke holes all day in these unemployment numbers. Uh, the reality is, first of all, first comment: unemployment is an absolutely awful way to judge <laughs> your uh, available workforce. Yes. You know, unemployment tells you who has actively filed for unemployment mm-hmm. and and who has who has met the criteria for unemployment. I would argue that the better uh, strategy to look at as it relates to like, like an aggregate workforce demographic is participation. Labor force participation. Yes. Because so, that right. actually tells you who's working and who's not working. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that participation rate has, has continued to, to reduce. So there are fewer, fewer people that hypothetically above the age of 16 should be able to work. Uh, there's a lot of nuances in there. I will tell you where unemployment data is really interesting is when you go into the demographics and unemployment data, specifically mm-hmm. in the state of Iowa, you can find startling demographics that are extremely unemployed or underemployed. And, and, mm-hmm. and you know, the, the, no surprise here, uh, it, it is uh, minoritized communities that, that fit that criteria. And so, you know, it, it from my standpoint, again, um, you know, that's an excuse to say that we're hiring who we can find. And the reality is that the um, talent acquisition funnel is 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 not big enough, uh, because I will tell you that there are a number of uh, of diverse uh, professionals out there uh, that 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 we have been able to hire uh, in, in manufacturing. We have specifically uh, been able to target a number of of, uh, of female uh, candidates within our, our 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 funnel. We've been able to increase our total um, uh, female population by 2% when, since we started measuring, uh, as an example, we've still got a lot of room for improvement. Um, and, and we started measuring, we started measuring demographics at the leadership level as well. So it's, yes. it's not just about yeah. like, Hey, let's make sure that the demographics are reflective of the community we, that we're in. Let's make sure that our leadership team, uh, ha- has diversity. And, Kyle, know. I can't wait for my question. I didn't mean it, but okay. <laughs> so, so here it comes, here it comes, here it comes, because we know each other, right? And yeah. so I have a two-part question. I want to, I want you to talk a little bit about, because we're talking about like from the, the recruiting lens, and you are a person that has looked at barriers and actually said, I'm going to change things because I identified this as a barrier. So like, Lots of organizations still have that point system, right? And so, so maybe you can talk us through a little bit, like how can people identify what could some of the barriers be? And then on that day one, when you went into your manager's office and said, we're going to get rid of this point system, <laughs> how was that received, right? So it's a two-part question of like, how do you find the barriers? And then how do you think about actually doing something about them when these systems have been set up for so many years that are, and sometimes people feel like it's working and you're like, oh, maybe not. Yeah, How do you have this? those? Yes. <laughs> I love this question. The point you, you, system. You, yeah, you I want to hear about this. This is like, so, so you know, I, I had a really interesting experience. It, it was probably, this would have been about eight years ago. And I was sitting in a, a diversity, equity, and inclusion conference put on by Cedar um, Valley, um, Chamber of Commerce. Um, and it, the reality is I'm sitting in this room and I'm hearing these, these stories of individuals who have been, uh, been, been treated unfairly. And I'm like sitting there, I'm like, I'm ignorant to this. Like, like this, like, like I, this is not my context. I am a, I'm a, I'm a straight white male born and raised in Iowa. And, and the reality is I'm like, 
I had, I had, I, I had no idea. And, but, but, and that's not cool. That's not right. Right. Like that, like I, I need to figure this out and, and, and understand what's going on. So being the statistics nerd that I am, I started with the, some of the numbers that I mentioned earlier, participation rate, unemployment rate, but where I really figured out what was happening was, was getting involved in the community and actually having conversations with individuals who have been uh, mistreated. Um, and uh, and you know, the other area that I went to was I went to my team, uh, specifically went into some of the turnover data, as well as, uh, you know, I talked to, to individuals um, that, uh, that, that um, you know, maybe, maybe struggled with, with things like attendance or, 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 you know, maybe were great when they were there, but weren't there all the time or, or, um, you know, some individuals that I just, I knew were, were deeply tied into the community. And the reality is there, there were a number of barriers that were impacting people that we could actually address. And one of them you mentioned already, Joy, which was, you know, a stupid attendance policy. So, uh, you know, I, yeah, I killed a point system. You know, the benefit, the benefit of being in human resources is, guess what? You have a lot of power, mm-hmm. but you can change policies, right? So it's like, you know, it's like the the meme where you're looking around the room and you're like, like, well, who's the adult in the room? Well, the reality is, HR, you're supposed to be the adult in the room. So if, mm-hmm. if you've got, you know, if you got a policy that's not working, then you better damn well change it. Um, and so. It, so, so that's one example. Some of the other barriers that I that we were able to identify, uh, you know, I'll kind of run down the list, and we won't have time to go into all of the details. But, you know, it, uh, child care was a massive issue. Uh, you know, availability of child care as well as affordability of child care. Um, individuals with with disability disabilities that needed reasonable accommodation and didn't know how to ask for it, and didn't know that we would even do that. Um, individuals who were formerly incarcerated um you know that uh people that just didn't have transportation uh or reliable transportation um it it was an issue individuals who had had things like 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 mandatory anger management classes and and things like this like like here's a great story i had an individual who had some attendance issues great employee when he was there um but he kept missing the same time on a wednesday He'd, he'd always leave early and would just say hey i gotta go Right. Well, we easily could have pointed him out and said, well, you know, this isn't working. But instead of, you know, doing what would have been the easiest thing to do from a, like an administration standpoint, uh, thank goodness the supervisor talked to him and, and tried to understand what was going on. Well, the reality is that he had some court ordered anger management uh, uh, classes that he was going through. And the supervisor brought that to my desk and I was like, well, OK, well, you know, it, so he's he's got a he's got a miss at a, at a certain time and you know and and uh, supervisor's like yeah and I'm like is that a that big of a deal if you know that he's going to be gone the supervisor's like well no not really we can usually kind of you know we, as long as we're aware of it we can cover it and I was like and he's working on ensuring that he can control his emotion and not get dysregulated and like be a, a you know a, a, a more effective and productive member of society well yeah and I'm like okay we should excuse it. <laughs> right, like, right, you know, right. It's, like, it's, it's like let's like let's not just assume like so. Going back to like a point system where there's this no fault point system, like that's ridiculous, right? We're human beings. We're messy. Life is messy. Like we should we should be allowed to 
to have those things happen and, and, and maintain open channels of communication and understanding as people, right? Like this, this doesn't have anything to do with, with the policy. This is just like being human, right? So, so the reality is that, that every organization has people who are facing barriers every single day to get to work or to find them. And the other reality is as an organization who employs people, you have an ability to help people with that. And you know what, the other thing I would say, maybe the final point on this is, what was really interesting is once we identified those barriers and once we actually took action to change those barriers, guess what happened? You know, this is like, like a kindergartner could probably figure this out. Like <laughs> people started to like our company more, yes. right? And then, and then people had, you know, our culture was a little bit more positive. We had some more applications start to flow in. That's right. Yes. To happen. Like, like we had a hiring event. So we, we had a hiring event, uh, on a, like a Thursday, we did like a hiring fair. I had at the time, I think I had 60 open positions. <laughs> Somebody took a picture, put it on Facebook, said, this is a great place to work. We had like 170 people show up to this hiring fair. Like we nice. had a line out the door. Uh, we ended up hiring, we actually offered 90 jobs, wow. ended up hiring most of them. And then we had like a waiting list of people that actually wanted to work there. And, and like, it, like in like one day, the staffing issues were gone, but it, but it was, it wasn't because we had a hiring fair. It's because we had a good reputation. Right. right? It, and, Cal, you know, it, that, that really hits home for us. Cause we always say that things like recruiting, retention, diversity, inclusion, if people feel like they belong, the rest of it takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's mm-hmm. just, that's what we're hearing. It's just. People don't leave great places to work. Everybody's complaining about retention and it's like, there's like, there's some secret to retention. Well, let's give, you know, let's give everybody ping pong tables and, and, you know, and, and, and free lunch and like, you know, like all, like all sorts of crazy things. And the reality is that doesn't matter as much as people loving the place that they work and, and, and working for a great company and having, you know, having friends at work, enjoying the boss that they work for, mm-hmm. right? Like, like feeling like they're part of something bigger, feeling like they belong, like, like, like all of the things that all of us want intrinsically as human beings, right. if those things are, are, are met at least to some level uh, at your employer, you're not going to leave. Yeah. I mean, and if you do, guess what? You know, and, and we see this at, at my company. If you leave, a lot of times you're going to boomerang right back and you're going to be like, oh, man, that was stupid. I can't believe that I left. <laughs> yeah. and, and, then, and then they'll tell everybody, don't leave. That was stupid. The <laughs> grass is not greener. You know, I mean, and, and – you know, for me, that's actually, that's one of my like signs that we're doing something right. If somebody like thinks that it's better, quits and comes right back. And it's mm-hmm. is, like, okay, I'm, I'm like, okay, this is proof positive. We're doing something right. So. so Kyle, Nick said it earlier and you're, you're an out of the box thinker and, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you kudos. Uh, I tell a story often about uh, thinking outside the box when you were at a company and you, there was an employee there that was neurodivergent. He was brought to you with a disability you literally took a storage room that was not being used. This this employee had uh, his his uh, his superpower was repetitive work that nobody else wanted to do. You found a closet that nobody was using in the office. You guys converted the closet into this space. You put tools on a table. You put the guy in the room when he came to work, and it changed his life. Sure. I, I tell that story all the time because those are things that you do outside the box within your power of HR. You put the human back in it, but talk to me about the HR professional industry in general and their focus on DEI because you have this rebel podcast and you're a rebel in this space. 
<laughs> so tell me about how you feel about your industry when it comes to the AI in general. It's a better way of asking. I was going to ask a similar question. It was going to be rebel, disrupt. What the hell's wrong with HR? <laughs> Why did you do that? And what's the impetus behind what's what's being a rebel about? What's different about All you right. and HR? All right. Which direction do I want to take this? How much cussing can we tolerate? You can, uh, <laughs> this is, so you got two veterans on here, first of all. So you're not going to overwhelm either of us with it. And I'm pretty sure you're not going to overwhelm Anthony either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. So, so full disclosure, rebel HR, it, it sat like it, it, it's a cool podcast name. Right. And I, I liked it, but it's really, it's really founded in like, I'm a nerd. So it's like founded in like star Wars, like, you know, the rebel rebels against the evil empire. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, but you know, if, if I wanted to try to be cool, I'd say it was like Billy Idol rebel yell, like, you know, but, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I, I am still HR, so I can only disrupt so much. Yeah. Um, my 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 issue with our industry is the fact that we are perfectly content with comfort, and it's easier for us to just execute what's already in place mm-hmm. and make the people in power comfortable and happy. And the reality is that when you do that, you do not innovate. Mm. And, you know, you've got you've got individuals that are in power and perfectly content to just keep keep on keeping on because it serves them. But if we continue to do that, we, we won't see progress. And so, you know, the the, the goal of, of the podcast and the goal of really, the, you know, the purpose of my work is to to redefine human resources as an opportunity to impact an organization in a way that is extremely positive and to be one of the the most important pieces of an organization the reality is every organization is just it's people right it's not it's not dollars dollars don't make things right (laughs) dollars don't actually do the work people make things people do the work people have the ideas and people uh help support customers and 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 growth and innovation and so you know if if that is the most important thing in an organization then where the hell is hr Mm, right and and so so as i i think about our our industry it's it's about pushing ourselves out of our comfort zones it's about embracing a little bit of that rebellion in a way my my approach there is like I like to think about it like positive forces for disruption, right? Like, mm-hmm. like it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to run into an organization, just blow everything up and, you know, it, it, and, and start over with a blank piece of paper. The reality is that that's probably too disruptive to be effective. You need to find the areas where there, there is clear and evident change needed. There's, you know, tip, and, and I guarantee you, if you go take a look at your recruiting, your retention, and your uh, your team culture. There's probably something in there where you need to go make a change. I guarantee it. That, that is a that is a pure. <laughs> like, if anybody listening to this podcast wants to argue with that point, then please send me an email. Good and, luck. And I'm a case study on and your be work. my guest, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then you should write a book and become yeah. a multimillionaire and never have to work again. Yep. But you know, take a look at those things, and then I like to I like the term rampant incrementalism so so be just be 
completely crazy and focused on getting a little bit better and changing something for the better every single day. Mm. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of research that that's, that's really where the change happens. Um, and then once you start to get this flywheel of change and flywheel of innovation and you start to get, you start to get people that are, that, that believe in you, then you can start to really get a movement going. And, and so, so the podcast itself focuses on innovators and, and people who are doing something slightly differently than we normally would. And the intent is for that to be specifically consumed by people, leaders, and HR professionals that can do something with it and go out and, and make a positive ripple in their organization. So but the reality is some of us suck. I mean, I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. And, if, and if that hurts your feelings, HR professionals that are listening to this, it's probably you. Look in the mirror <laughs> and, and realize, oh, yeah, maybe I do suck at that. Maybe I have been facilitating a stagnant culture and stagnant policies that yeah. are not helping our organization innovate and move forward. Well, and it's, we, it's we so, like to call that facipulation, right? Facipulation. They're <laughs> facipulating. It's it, it's funny. I mean, words matter, and the title of your job often is human resources. It's not policy resource manager. It's it's not <laughs> law resource manager. It's not discipline resource manager. It's human resource yeah. manager and uh what i hear you saying is you're trying to it, it shouldn't be a rebel move but putting the human back in human resources which well, the, seems the to be a rebellious is, move these days <laughs> yeah. it, here's the thing it's sad that that's rebellious yes. mm -hmm. that's yeah. that's the issue right the, the issue that having a humanistic focus in my function is rebellious yeah is that's problematic yeah. in and of itself and that, and that's, it shouldn't that's be that's part of the point, right? So yeah. it's like, yeah. One of the things yeah, we I, see um, HR str individual struggle, professional struggle with it seems like is is getting help that they need. I mean, I mean you even said some things you suck at, right? I mean, there's some things that people suck at, but it seems like there's this overwhelming desire not to get help and uh, just it's like your little fiefdom, right? So how do we break through that? How do we get HR professionals to realize like it's okay to get help? Yeah, I, I think a lot of this starts with self-awareness, right? Yeah. Like, listen, I know mm -hmm. there are certain things that I am not equipped to do. Um, you know, you want me to stare at a spreadsheet for hours on end and pick out every, every nth level of detail. I'm going to be miserable. And so are you, cause it's not going to be very good. Right. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to use my resources. I, every HR professional needs to, needs to make really good friends with a couple of key people. Uh, somebody in sales, somebody in finance, somebody in legal, and and somebody at the executive leadership level right you need you, you need to like build like an, a, a coalition of allies if you will and find people that think differently than you i i will tell you you know throughout the course of my career i have butted heads with multiple finance people it's just the way it is my brain works different than most people in finance and that's that's maybe painting with the broad brush but it's probably not that much yeah. of a stretch um it, but but i've learned over the years that the, the things that they point out that they don't appreciate about my programs or policies or myself, there's usually some kernel of truth in there that I just need to shut up and listen. Um, and, and in the same context or, the, or in the same breath, they, if you have a great relationship, will learn something from, from me. Right. And it's, it's, but it's, it's about like being aware of that. It's about not shying away from conflict. And I think, you know, to your point, Nick, it's about being comfortable raising your hand and saying, you know what, I'm not sure. You know, one of the challenges that, that, and I think a lot of leaders, not just human resources, struggle with this is a lot of times people look to us for the answers. It's okay to say you don't know. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. you know, nobody, yes. Nobody has all the answers. And, you know, the reality is if you don't have the answer, don't fake it. Just just be just be honest. Yeah. Um, have that self-awareness and 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 then figure it out together. Right. And and I think I, I, I think being being comfort in that discomfort, uh, being comfortable in that discomfort is is uh, is, a, is a key yeah. uh, to being successful. So, I think the other thing, you know, maybe the other thing here, you know, we're talking a little bit, we're talking a little bit about like, how do you get stuff done? How do you like get clout within an organization? How do you push forward? You know, the reality is you also have to be a little bit of a student. You need to understand what is your role within the organization? What mm -hmm. is the organization? Like, you can't just be like in your little silo in your office, you know, uh, waiting for people to walk into your door, like, like be active, be out there, get figured out, you know, yeah. talk to your people, learn the business. Be interested in what other people do, and and it's not until you truly have a full picture of the 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 entire organization that you'll actually be effective. You know, I what maybe you know one one comment that I don't know that every HR professional would agree with, but like I think it takes two years before you're really any good in an organization. Mm. It takes that long to figure out what the hell is even going on, and to build those inroads and build that trust. Yeah. So that you actually you actually get your arms around what's going on. And, That's coming. And, yeah. I mean, and sometimes sometimes it sucks, yeah. you know. But but like, if if you have the if you have the determination to really figure it out, it, sometimes you need to stick it out and and and, and be comfortable uh, being uncomfortable. Yeah, I had, a, I had a mentor tell me it's that third time around the track. No matter what you're doing, if two times around the track, once you get on that third lap around the track, you, you, you hit your stride. You have a general idea of what's, what's happening. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I might be slow, like <laughs> two, you know, some people might be like, Oh dude, it's six months. But like the reality is like, from my standpoint, before, sure. to, to get truly effective, um, you know, as, as, as an HR professional, you really have to learn the organization. Like, truly. You know, it, it makes me think though, like, you know, one of our big things, there's a myth that, that, uh, Change doesn't take time. People take time, but that's what you're saying is it's the person that takes that time to learn and grow into that position. It's still not the change. It's, it's the person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the, I mean, here's the other, the reason I'm saying this is like part of the issue with our, our occupation is we assume that I just need to copy paste this best practice and it's going to work. Uh -huh. So, uh -huh. but that yes. doesn't work. Yeah. Every organization is different, right? I mean, if I came into my organization, my organization, uh, you know, fairly small, fairly entrepreneurial, um, you know, we, we have uh, we have some policies, but we're not policy heavy, very, very light bureaucracy in my organization, which I love, by the way, like, I, you know, it's a yeah. good fit for me, just leave it there. If I were to come in with some like, fortune 500 company handbook with like 75 pages and slap it down on the desk and say, this is what we all need to do. I'd be a la I'd be laughed out the door. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't even work. Right. And, but, but so often that's what we try to do because yep. it's what we did back when we first learned what to do, or we heard about it in a college class. Well, we're supposed to do, this is supposed to be our compensation philosophy. Well, what the hell does that even mean? Right. <laughs> Are you paying fairly and equitably? Okay. Um, is this actually going to help you do it? No. Okay. Then don't do it. Right. You know, it's, yes, it's like people to follow a process yeah. instead of thinking critically. Right. right. And oftentimes people don't even think about like, 
when those processes were built, they were oftentimes built to benefit certain groups and burden certain other groups, right? And so, again, if we are going to be where this is the only way you have to do it. Now, again, I, I think about being a military, right? So there are some policies that are in place because for safety and things of that nature, but not all of them are because of that. And there are oftentimes were things that I can look at and I did look at and say, okay, so why, why are we doing this again? And if nobody in the room can remember why we're doing this, it probably needs to be something that we examine and look at potentially doing different. <laughs> the right? person that wrote this has been dead for 20 years? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. exactly. Well, exactly. You said it earlier, Kyle, you know, that uh, it, to, to piggyback on what Joy just said, we know that systems were built uh, to disadvantage certain people. And it, you started the show by in the very question of saying systems are doing exactly what they were designed to do. Right. And so we have to, to break the system. So let me ask you, you're, you're in a position of power. Like you said, HR folks have power. Uh, you're, you're a white male in a, in, a, in, a, in a manufacturing company dominated by people that look like you. And I looked at y'all's leadership team. You know, um, how, how are you impacting change at CPM, and what advice would you give other folks in your position to do the same? What, what, how are you impacting change? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It's a great call out. So, you know, the, the first, <laughs> this goes back it's to my not your job to hire all leaders. I was just an observation. So <laughs> yeah, let me, yeah, yeah. I wasn't putting you on the spot for that. Let me let you know that CPM. <laughs> you put me on the spot, man. It's all good. We're, we're yeah. friends here. This Absolutely. Is That's how we do it. But, but the reality <laughs> is I should be on the spot, right? Cause I'm the global vice president of human resources. I'm the key. I'm the senior leader of human resources yeah. and I own the talent within the organization. And if the talent is not representative of the diverse communities that we serve, then I'm failing. And that's, and, and I think every HR professional needs to think about it in that context. So, um, so as we look at the, the leadership team specifically at CPM, so, um, the, the first thing I will say is I have a CEO that will agree with everything that I say here. Uh, every single leadership search that we have has to have a diverse slate of candidates whether we're using a third party recruiter or not. And that's, that, that is an expectation of every single search. Nice. Um, as I think about making change at the, at the top level, um, what, what we have been very intentional about is as we have had um, individuals depart the organization for various reasons, uh, we, we've, we've employed that same methodology. So if you, if you, actually, if you look at uh, the demographics of the recent hires on the leadership team, you will see a much more representative mm -hmm. uh, slate demographically uh, of new leaders. And the reality is we have a lot of leaders that are, are white males mm -hmm. uh, because they have been in power for a long time. Yeah. So, you know, for kind of going back to my comment about like, you, you have to be disruptive, but you, you have to be thoughtful about some of the disruption that you make. You know, it's, right. it is about being respectful of the heritage and it, in the organization and understanding that, you know, what got us to where we are, and we've been a very successful company for a number of years, right. around for over 140 years, that we can still be respectful that we have been very successful because of the talents of the individuals in charge. That that that's, no that's an honest assessment. But that doesn't mean that we're going to continue to to use that that same type of recruiting and promotions and. Um, and, and strategies and systems that we have used in the past. And so, and so, and I've been there six years. So, um, you know, I can, I can say that we, we are seeing progress, but we have a lot more work to do mm -hmm. on a, on maybe a broader level, um, internally to the organization. One of the, we, we, we've done some things 
that that have have shown some some initial results and and are, and are fairly promising and and it's been um, it's been looking at like internal coalitions is what I would call them. So we've got we have a DEI coalition uh, that that taps into the the geographic diversity that we have. So we have a you know a, a, we have a ton of diversity in the organization. I mean it's like, mm-hmm. like you know reflective of the world and yeah. uh, because we're global. Um, so we have a coalition that helps us helps us with guidance. They help define the expectations of, of, of the organization. We do a, um, an audit every year called the Global Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Benchmark Tool. Um, and, uh, and, and I would strongly, it's a, it's a free resource. It's like literally the answers to the test. Like it's a roadmap of here's the things you should be doing to be considered best in class uh, for DEI B uh, uh, in the world. It, it's, it's, it's a great assessment. So we do that every year. The coalition does that for us. And then we take a look at that. We action items off that. Uh, we have put together a, a couple employee resource groups. Uh, one of the groups, the, the Women's Initiative Network, is a specifically focused on empowering and elevating uh, w- uh, women within our organization. Uh, and, then, uh, and then we are just this year, we're, we're kicking off a young professionals uh, employee resource group as well to, to help, help younger professionals uh, belong. Uh, within the organization as well, um, and a sustainability employee resource group as well. And 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 what we've seen is is, you know, we it, it's been very, it's been interesting to see the kind of the, the growth of these groups, and they they they're, they're they they kind of caught on internally. And what we have seen is through these groups, uh, as an example, uh, you know, I just promoted the 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 chairwoman of our our win group into a uh, a vice president role. Um, because she did such a great job setting up the group and, and, and has earned, uh, that through, uh, through, through the work that she's done within the organization as a leader, as well as, uh, through her, her performance, uh, in, in a sales function. And uh, it's just been awesome to see her career, her career grow. Way cool. Um, one of the other, you know, maybe the final thing I'll say is, you know, we were honest with our demographics. So we took a look, this is us specific. We took a look at our us population and then we took a look at our, our benchmark specifically with this is focused on women. The the industry benchmark is 18% female within the um, equipment manufacturing sector, and you can you can view this stuff on the BLS like it's out there, guys. So right. you, no excuse. Um, our organization at the time was only 14% female, so we were like, well, that's bad. So so we went out and we we diversified our talent acquisition uh, approach. We set a target that we're going to hire at least 20% uh, women into all roles. And uh, right now we're we're up above we're at sixteen and a half percent, and we've been doing this for about a year. So like the change while the change happens you know, kind of slowly, just because of the natural way of how you you know turnover and talent acquisition. Yeah. Uh, the reality is you can make change. You just you just have to make a decision to do it. So. Well, I, I agree with that. It's I love funny. That. Uh, I, I think Joy, you shared a stat with me a couple of weeks ago, and I've been carrying it everywhere with me because it blew me away, and it speaks to what you said, Kyle, uh, and it was. Uh, uh, between 20 and 2021, post George Floyd, uh, 24/7 Wall Street did a study and showed of the S&P 100 companies, of the 300,000 people hired in 2021, 94% of them were people of color, and that included at management levels. So what that says is there is no excuse. And you're and you're right, Kyle. There, it, when there's intentionality, you can you can do the work. So gotta want to do it. Yeah. Or were you, Joy? You were going to 
No, I was going to agree with that. You just really have to have to want to do it. And if nothing else, that explosion of what happened after 2020, after George Floyd showed us like with intentionality, with focus, with it can be done. And so it's even like um, prior to that, how everybody was like, oh, nobody can work remote because we need you there. And then COVID happens. Everybody's like, well, <laughs> maybe you can work remote. Right. And so that thinking outside the box. And I, I so agree with you earlier when you were like the the desire to want to keep everything the same is the exact opposite of what produces innovation and innovation leads to the competitive edge and increases your bottom line, all of those things. Now, is it, is it complex sometimes, right? Like, is it an easy thing to do? No, it's not. Right. But it's so worth it because at the end of that, there's more opportunity for people. There's more access for people. And then on top of that, you're going to have more creativity. More people want to work in your company. I love that you said, of course, we got rid of the point system. And then everybody's like, well, now we want to work there, right? Because they're hearing about it word of mouth. And that's what being innovative does. And so especially when you think about DEI policies, I mean, it, you, you have to take an innovative approach and you have to think about, okay, like, so who does this create access for and who does this kind of limit access for? So, no, I, I agree with all of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, the, maybe the one area that, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking about this, you know, especially HR people is one of our jobs is speaking truth to power. And the, you know, it, and I, and I, I will tell you that like my CEO literally says that's my most valuable trait that I tell mm -hmm. him what's actually happening. Right. And I, and I, I don't sugarcoat it and I'm, you know, having the ability to be honest that, Hey, this is a problem. This is what we're hearing. This is what people are feeling. Uh, we're not good at this. We need to get better. Um, if you are a, a if you're a human resources professional, you have to be able to do that. If you can't do that, you're going to be self-limiting uh, because because organizations need that. And in fact, I would argue that most leaders might not like to hear it, but they need to hear it. And if if yeah. you're doing it in a way that is authentic and and has high integrity and truth, eventually. They will, they will hear you and they will understand. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, then you should quit that freaking company because that sucks. Yeah. And yes. it's not <laughs> like, like, you know, the job market is not so terrible that you can go and find an organization that values that. And, right. and for people that aren't in human resources, you know, the, you don't have to be in HR to do this, right? Like, like in your role, in your organization, every organization needs this. And because they don't, leadership's going to be in an echo chamber. Yeah. It's, it's going to be. So, um, yeah, I would just, you know, that maybe that's the other thing that I would say, um, you gotta be comfortable doing that. Yeah. Um, because if you don't, who will, right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the reality is if it's somebody who's been, been marginalized in their role and they do it, they're going to get in trouble for doing it. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so, so you have a, you have a responsibility as an individual in power, uh, to, to, to do this. No, I'm curious. We, we haven't had an HR person on the show before. There's a question that always bugs. There's, there's, there's a response that always bugs me. I want your take on it. We can't afford to fire people. Ooh. We can't afford to fire people. <laughs> that's a great, you know what? That's a great way to take that company right down the toilet. Talk I, I about mean, it. <laughs> is it. Okay. I'm going to ask everybody listening to this right now. Is there somebody that you've worked with that should have been fired multiple times that wasn't fired? And how demoralizing was that? Right? Mm -hmm. And, and if, and if, if you haven't had that, then I'm sorry, it was probably you. So you should go. <laughs> yeah. I'm half kidding. 
but 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 like one of the worst things you can do is keep somebody that should be terminated because it they will just it will just it will spread like wildfire and problem performers will uh will just tank you so quickly your top performers will either leave or they will reduce their performance your people in the middle will be like oh this person can get away with it well forget it i'm gonna do it too mm -hmm. and your your bottom performer will just continue to be a bottom performer so you know that you know you can't afford to fire somebody well you, yeah good, good luck with that yeah okay if I, if I hear if i hear that term especially i have an hr professional's mouth i'm gonna uh i'm gonna go look at a company that's not gonna be around for Long. for sure mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, Kyle how do you so obviously you know you've got great support from your CEO um, but there's resistance in every company to to the journey of trying to champion DEI and B and and you know how what do you what are what are the common resistance points that you see and not necessarily with CPM but in your experience in HR in general what are you what are you hearing out there's those common uh, defenses about why we can't do this or we shouldn't focus on this That's a great question. I think one of the bigger challenges continue it is and continues to be people understanding why it's important. And you know the the reality is, especially in Iowa, um, there are a lot of people who are like me, like nine years ago. They're just there's a lot of ignorance out there. Mm -hmm. where if, if people aren't driven to try to understand the lived experiences uh, of people that have a barrier in their way, then they will remain blissfully ignorant, right? And, and so I, that is a barrier. That is absolutely a barrier. Yeah, You're going to find, you know, people that, people that just like, they hear the word diversity and they're like immediately irritated, right? Like, like, like this exists. Um, you know, and you, and you can see it in people's body language, mm -hmm. um, you know, culturally, I think the other, <laughs> one of the other big issues that I, I really struggle with and the, the older I get and the more, the more honest I get with myself, uh, the more irritated I get with the whole like Midwest nice thing. You know, oh, where yeah. to me, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. it's got Nick going. Yeah, it's like it, it's just a, like a code word for passive aggressiveness. Yes. It and is. It's. It, it, I think. I actually think it's one of these societal systems that keeps people in their place, right? Uh -huh. it, like keep keep things nice on the shelf so nobody knows. But the reality is, underneath the surface, everything is like crazy and on fire and like in a mess. You know, the reality is so. One of the things I love about my job, I get this diversity of perspective, because I work with people from all over the globe, and and some some of the people. So you know, I was I was on. A call with the UK this morning. I was on a call with with China last night. Um, you know, I, I was on a call with somebody from from Amsterdam this morning, and you know, th there are cultural nuances all over the place. But one of my favorite cultures is 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 people who are just absolutely blunt. So if you talk to somebody from like Germany or or the Netherlands, like like they're gonna tell it to you straight, mm -hmm. um, whether you like it or not. But yeah. the reality is, like initially, as I started in my job, that was like it was like man, this was this tough like this like like the the perception was it's rude the reality is the more that i work with it the more i realize this is actually really kind because it, it's it's being honest with with shortcomings it, areas of frustration and then when you when you peel back the the like initial like egoic hurt that you feel because someone was quote rude to you you realize 
oh, there's a lot of truth here. And, and like, maybe I should stop, you know, whining about this and, and actually do something about it. And, and I struggle with the, the, the culture of passivity because I, it's, it's sometimes you're just not aware. Mm -hmm. And if you're not aware, you can't do anything. And I, and I really struggle with that. So that, you know, that's, I mean, I, I think that's another issue and, 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 and specifically in the DEI context, it, it will prevent actual change from happening and people will, will get along to get along but no actual real change will happen. Waste a lot yeah. of time. People will not truly belong. Yeah. That's my intent. <laughs> my pressure is Iowa nice, waste a lot of time. It does. Uh, Somebody told me clear, clear is kind, and it, it's nope. changed how, I, and we should have an episode about this one day, but as a woman, like there's almost this certain expectation of how you are supposed to communicate, especially as you get into leadership, right? And mm -hmm. if you become more where you're just like, okay, I'm going to be more direct, well, then you know what word often follows that, right? Being a woman in leadership, a black woman in leadership, what that looks like. And so one of my mentors recently was like, well, Joy, no, clear is kind, right? Like sometimes having some directness that actually lets people know, like, I'm not wasting your time. I'm not wasting my time. I value. And so that's been like a real mind shift for how I want to communicate, like coming into meetings and saying like, these are the three things I need from this meeting. <laughs> These are the three things. These are the three things we want to cover. But I'll be honest, it, it you know, it kind of took to I got to this big age before I was even really willing to do that because I always felt like, well, you kind of got to, you know, put the pill in the in the medicine in the sugar container. And it's still some right. Like there's a thing for respect and things of that nature, but also understanding that clear is, is kind. Right. Like it, it is time. And that is the exact opposite of how we're taught in Iowa, because we are definitely taught in Iowa that you dance around, and if you're asking somebody for something, you kind of got to wait maybe six months for them. To yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And now it's just like, hey, I can't do it right now. You know, check back with me, and yeah. they know that that's really what I mean. And I'm not wasting your time, and I'm not wasting my time. So. You like this guy, yeah. hey, Joy? How do you feel about meetings to schedule more meetings? Well, that's <laughs> funny. You know, I think Iowa nice. If we're all, to, it, it gets in the way of the of the work that we do because there. There are organizations and leaders who want to be, move forward, but there's this mm -hmm. there's this fear. We call them culture sculptures, but there's this fear or or, or, or other reason why they why they're not moving forward, and and it stymies the work. It, it mm -hmm. really does. I super agree. I super. I knew this was going to be a good one, and I liked when we were going to have Kyle because I felt like again he's going to talk about things that people can like do like this is what you can yeah. do like these are like be accountable be willing to look at yourself be self-reflective do something if you are in hr then you are called yeah. on by being in hr that means that you have some level of power so you need to enact that to remove right. barriers for people so i, yeah. I knew this was yeah. going to be good, yeah, you, good. You, you i mean talk. i think yeah, maybe the last maybe the last point i'll make is you know the reality is you know if you look like the people in power and you actually care about others, then my opinion is that it is your responsibility to, to be honest and, and help others, right? And, and the, the reality is that I can say something in a room and say the exact same thing that you are gonna say, Joy, and say it just like this, and they will, and people will listen, and you could say it just like me, and they will have a totally different different reaction. And that's not, that's not. Right. And, and so it, you know, it, the best I can be is an ally 
And it's, in my opinion, it's my responsibility to make sure that we are creating spaces where people can truly be authentic and truly belong and not have to have these, 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 these masks on right. and not be on stage that, that they can truly be open and authentic. Um, and ultimately that's going to make us better, not only as an organization, but societal. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Great way. I think that's a, that's a great way to, to end this episode. Cause boy, yeah. you drop nuggets today. As Joy was saying, you know, we, we really wanted to have you on because you know, you're, you're, you're a person in position of power, but we weren't just here talking. You were um, really dropping knowledge and, and dropping, dropping nuggets. So um, any other comments, questions, any, any thoughts you have? I don't think, do we have a listener question today? Did we get a listener question from the audience? Well, I had one, but I think we kind of covered it. <laughs> so, yeah. Normally we have a listener question from the audience, but we probably just said it without, without giving yeah. them any credit. So we'll, we'll catch the listeners on our, on our next show, please. Uh, and we'll probably have a lot of them by HR after this. So. <laughs> All yeah. right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time, Kyle. Any, any last words before we wrap for joy wraps us up here? Yeah. I, um, you know, we, we've covered a lot. This has been really fun. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, to, to maybe put a, you know, a punctuation mark on this discussion. I do think that it's really easy. It's really easy to get, get frustrated and talk about what we need to do. Um, and I, and I think, you know, and my guess is if you're listening to this podcast, you're, you're, you're probably open-minded enough to realize there's some issues we need to fix as it relates to DEIB. Um, it gets a lot harder to figure out what are the pragmatic actions that we're actually going to take in order Mm -hmm. to make this change. And so, you know, I, I think what I would encourage people to think about is to not get overwhelmed, but to just figure out what are the things that we can do day in and day out and that we can help others understand what they need to do day in and day out. Uh, And I have found that, that, that finding those little things can make, can make all the difference in the long term. Thank you for that nugget. Thank you for that nugget. Or as our show says, break barriers, but also don't be a barrier. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Kyle, thank you so much for joining us today. Again, we knew this was going to be a good episode. um, So much of the conversation when you talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging really does need to happen in HR, human resources. Because again, when you talk about workforce equity, there's so much control in there. And I'll just say as growing up, I didn't realize that. And then I'm like, oh, I should have been doing stuff in HR because there's so much opportunity there. Although like diversity, it belongs to everyone. Like company culture belongs to everyone, but it has a specific meaning when you talk about human resources and being intentional about putting the human back in the resources, which so often gets pulled out. So Barry, thank you, thank you, thank you, my friend, for being my neighbor, for being a guest today. <laughs> it was an honor. Thank you for thank you for doing the podcast, and thank you for the invite. Absolutely. We'll make sure we'll put a link to to Kyle's podcast as well. Yep. Again, another spe- uh, special thanks to our our silver sponsor, uh, Rise to Greatness, as well as our friends of our program, our Community Savings Bank, and Tyler at Links Barn DDS. Uh, we put send these out about every two weeks. Uh, we get ready to start a new season. Uh, our our season, I think we're going to extend our season. Officially, is going to wrap up by the end of the year and start a new season in January. Um, but, again, we're looking forward to, to, to continuing to these conversations and hope you enjoy them as well. Absolutely. Hit us up. Hit us up at info at toprankculture.com with any questions or, or comments. And special thanks to our listeners. Uh, without you, we wouldn't be here. We appreciate your time. 
Any last words, Joy? No, thank you all. This was a good one. Yep. Stay tuned and tune in. Get ready for this episode to drop. Advancing equity is not a one-year project. It's a generational commitment. There are too few people in the world willing to be the domino. Too few people willing to take that fall.